Welcome to A New Way to Think. I am Adam Walker with Sister City Properties and I'm here with Brittany Richardson, my one of my great friends and um, want to take a minute to, well a few minutes actually, to ask her a few questions and I hope you enjoy. Brittany. Yes sir. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so I have to like speak as though no one knows me, right? Because you know everything about me, I think. I do, I do. I knew, I know everything. Oh, that's not true, I don't think. Maybe, I hope everything. not. Everything. I hope not. <laughs> um, come here, Gus. Uh, well, I am 37 years old. Um, I live in Brandenburg, Kentucky, and I have my own business. I'm a professional pet stylist. Which I like to say because it's just a that's it's saying a glorified groomer, um, but I manage my own business and it's been pretty successful. I'm pretty pumped about it. Um, I have two dogs and three cats now, and that's about it right now. I mean, we'll get into the questions now. Trying to figure everything else out. So aside from that, how could you describe yourself? Describe yourself. And maybe a paragraph. Oh, no. Oh, I need like three pages. Well, all right. All right. Three pages. No. And in a paragraph, um, I would say that I'm a very hard worker. I am very passionate about the things I believe in. And the things that I don't believe in, I like to ask questions. So I'm inquisitive, I guess you could say. Um, I care a lot about the people around me. And I love animals. That's about it. Me in a nutshell. Speaking of animals, who is Gus? Augustine Yellowcat. Um, Gus is, I guess you could say she was abandoned um, by her feral mother. Um, I had a surrogate lined up for her, but that didn't work out. So I ended up uh, bottle feeding her from, I think she was like five or six days old, maybe at that point. And I was bottle feeding her all the way up until about two and a half weeks ago. She's 10 weeks old now. Um, very sweet girl, very smart girl. Um, and basically she goes everywhere with me and she's well known. She's met celebrities and she's gone on tour with me. So that's, Gus is, Gus is my sidekick, my absolute sidekick. You say she's gone on tour with you, so yes. where's she traveling? Nashville to see at the drive-in, which didn't work out for me, but it worked out really well for her since we sat out in the car and listened to them. Um, it was really good. Um, we went to Indianapolis last weekend, and she met Zoe Bell, which was awesome, and Scout Compton, who was in the Halloween movies. She's kind of like an up-and-coming star, um, and a number of other people, but she, she comes to Louisville with me. Um, anywhere I can sneak her in, like Kroger, they don't know about it, but she is in my shirt the entire time. Um, and she goes to work with me every day. And I actually have people that come to the salon just to see her because they've seen her on Instagram or they know somebody that knows of her. So they're like, oh, go to the salon and see this cat. They do. So and That's the power of social media for sure. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that and yeah, and just and even the old school word of mouth. You know, people actually communicating without a computer or 
an iPhone in so between So that really them. happens. From time to time. <laughs> From time to time it does, so. And we'll have to say that we are in uh, a fine Mexican-Californian establishment called El Camino. Yes. Enjoying its last few days here in the Highlands. That's sad. Um, and they are very pet-friendly. They are. In fact, they're making toys for guests, and they brought her saucers of milk and water, and she wants for nothing. She wants for nothing in her life. That's a good thing. And it's not, it's not just me that makes that happen. It's anybody who comes in contact with her. I'm glad you said that. So... Who specifically has she met? Not only, not necessarily the names, but the type of people that are attracted to her. Um, anybody and everybody. There's not really one, like, one group of people. Their kids absolutely love it. I mean, all kids squeal, but, and they say, oh, it's kitty, and blah, blah, blah. But at the, in the same respect, I've seen grown men that were, like, 30, 40 years old in leather at a pride festival scream and their their voices go straight up when they saw her they were just like oh it's kitty just like a kid would so I think what it does is people see her and they resort back to childhood and even if they had a crappy childhood they're resorting back to that one second that was actually decent so they become vulnerable which is awesome because it's not a bad thing to be vulnerable and they kind of go back to a naive state of where everything is just fluffy kittens and rainbows so I mean but it's a wide variety of people I mean her like my the peak of her meeting someone for me and not to get well to get specific is Zoe Bell she's a hero of mine and when I met her, I told her I have a kitten that I would like her to meet. And she made me leave the table to go get this cat. She was just like, I'm glad I met you. You can come back and talk, but go get the cat, basically. And I did. And her, like, she's like this stunt woman. She's been in really hardcore movies. She's been in Quentin Tarantino films. She's been bloody and gutty and shooting people in the face and all this crazy stuff. But when she saw Gus, she was a child again. And I think that's really cool because I think childhood is like the best years of our lives and then we turn into adults and become, you know, jerks again. So, thank you. So, I mean, like I said, not getting too specific, but she's met people of the LGBT community and at that time, um, I think through the entire community, we were going through a lot of feelings of having our safe space invaded and feeling like exposed to the world to the point where we could actually be harmed like we knew we've, we've always known that we could be harmed because we are a vulnerable group of people but now it's even more apparent because 49 people died just a week prior because they were gay and not all not all of them were even gay I mean there was a mom involved that was just there to support her child so um, but like going to, to pride and people seeing this kitten, I think it was a sense of comfort. You know, they for, for a second, they let the fear drop out of their head or any scared thoughts that they had about going to Pride. And they just kind of were like, oh, it's a cat. I want to be a part of this. I actually had people breaking down and crying because they saw a kitten. And I don't think that that was just a drama, uh, you know, a drama queen or king kind of way of going about it. I actually think that they were just like, thank God, it's something kind of relief. So, there you go. Right, so she's... Her, specifically, but animals of her nature are, in particular, 
positive aspect that we can focus on in times of times of violence and quarrel and yeah, well, it's it's kind of something that I was discussing um, earlier this week with someone at work, like the difference between human beings and animals, just randomly, because I work with with a vet, so, you know, animals are constant. We're seeing dogs, cats, birds, reptiles, all sorts of things they see, and my response when they, they, they were like, okay, well, what's the biggest difference between animals and humans? I said, well, one species is dedicated to their nature and kind of organized and almost live by a code of ethics, while another species is wild and untamed and kind of flies by the seat of their pants, and that's very dangerous. And the thing is, is the first species that I was describing are the animals. Because animals have been around before we were here. They're going to be here long after us, as long as there's not, like, obviously a world explosion. And the fact is, is they have adapted to their environment to keep their clan going. And they they kind of bend and sway with the motions, but they stay true to their pack. Whereas human beings are just... I mean, we have free thought, we have free will, but that can be very dangerous in the wrong hands, as we've seen in Orlando and seen in Sandy Hook and things like that. I mean, we have a tendency to let hate and things that we're so deadly afraid of rule us to the point where we're like, well, we have to kill them all. We have to get rid of them. We have to go Nazi-style on everyone. We have to get rid of this because we fear these people. Not because they actually pose a danger, but because they pose a, a danger to ourselves because we have to think, am I a part of that group? And if so, how am I going to tell my parents who are against this group, you know? Or, how you know, like with the LGBT community, the man who did what he did in Orlando... He had had run-ins with that, you know, with that club before. He had gone there before. He, you know, he had, had been on gay websites and things like that, like talking to guys. And it's kind of like, was it really something deep inside of him that was so scared that he could actually be gay, or was it because he was actually a terrorist? I don't believe he was. I believe from when I first heard about it, the first thing that I thought was, this is 100% a hate crime. And really, it doesn't matter if it was against, you know gay people or if it was against you know a different race or a different religion if you go out to kill somebody it's because of hate it doesn't matter if you're a part of the, of ISIS or anything it is a hate crime because you have to have hate in your heart to be able to commit a crime like that so so as far as animals go they even you know bears and Gus is still here look I gotta show Gus off there you go there's Gus there's Gus this is a real Gus yep She's just hanging out. And I think this is a song from one of the Quentin films. So this is really cool that this is a soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to pause for a minute? Or okay. That's okay. No, we're good. We're good. Can't whip something out like Can I Snapchat it? Absolutely. <laughs> She's Instagram. She Snapchat. This is where we're pausing. There's a few patrons who are admiring Gus's mystique she pose, and she will pose if you ask How her how old to. is she she is 10 weeks old um, she's a bottle baby so that's why she's really small well, did um, you find her like, she was yeah it, 
it, she was abandoned kitten at my sister's house, so, yeah. And I've had her since she was, I want to say it was five or six days old. Is she doing but, okay? Like, yeah. Good? She was actually at the vet today. She wasn't feeling real well this morning, but everything is kind of, you know, it's constantly on edge with her. So we just have to keep her medicated, make sure she has food and water, and she's, in fact, being here, it's been pretty awesome because they brought her, they brought her milk and they brought her toys and everything, so... She's gonna keep her. Oh yes. Oh yeah. She's mine forever. So yeah, we're. What's her name? Her name is Gus. Hi, baby. Yeah, she was actually named before we actually knew her sex. So at first we were thinking she was a boy. And oh, I like Gus for a girl. And she's. It's actually officially Augustine for Augustine oh, Burroughs. So, but I figured she mentioned she answers to Gus and Goose and everything in between. So, yeah. My dad's cat is precious. I love it. Her name's Lucy, but we call her Goose. I call her Goose and Goosey all the time. Yeah. She's but she's precious. yeah, she just hangs out. Oh my gosh, she's precious. Yeah, she's a good girl. Love her. <laughs> Thank you. There you go, Gus. Gus is 15 minutes of fame. Just keeps stretching out. She's a good girl, though. Anywho, where were we? <laughs> Sorry, that happens a lot. It, it happened a lot at Pride, and it happened a lot at that horror convention that we went to in Indy. Like, so no, that's perfect because that's definitely something that I wanted to touch on. the The reaction that people have towards her, and the idea that, or the idea that how what we can learn from her because of that. I think it's just simplicity, like stopping and taking a look around and appreciating what's around you. That's the whole point. Like, I realize that when I'm, when I've got her out, which is all the time, because she has to be with me, and there are going to be times where I'm going to have her where I'm not going to be in a good mood, and it's not because of her, it's because, you know, of the world around you. You know, you get depressed, or you get upset, or you've had a bad day at work, and you, you have to stop at the store. Well, she has to go with me. And I'll go in, and she'll be in my shirt, and her head will pop up, and somebody will be passing me in the aisle, and they'll just break down. They'll just freak out. And immediately, anything that happened to me that day, regardless of how severe it was, just kind of disappears. Because it's like, oh, yeah, this is good. She's 10 weeks old or 9 weeks old or whatever the date was, you know, however long she was. And, I mean, I have to tell her story because to everyone because, I, you know, they're new at meeting her. But I love telling that story. Because not only does it make them really happy to know that this little kitten has survived this long and had to do all these things and all, been through all this, but it it makes me feel good that I was a part of that. So it's kind of a it's a confidence booster. It makes me feel good because people will have you know resting bitch face and then they see the kitten and they're just like ah oh, it's a kitten like they freak out and it's so good because you don't see people doing that just because you're walking past them in the supermarket. It takes a kitten for them to react that way. Right. You know? So and while it may be unfortunate, that's, you know, at least there is that opportunity to spread yes. love, that kind of love in even a stranger. Yeah. It just makes them giddy. I mean, to, if for somebody to be giddy, that means that they have to be truly happy. Like, truly happy, truly in love with that situation. And... It's hard to come by these days because there's so many reasons to be depressed. There's so many people on medication because they're depressed. There's, I mean, you know, uh, kind of going back to what we talked about yesterday about the pharmaceutical companies, like, throwing out medication because people have all sorts of mental issues. 
and granted, they're, they're, it's true, it's happening, and they and they do need the help. But sometimes, it, I mean, I really do believe that you can be cured of so much just by seeing something so small and so sweet. And yeah, I mean, I love Gus, and there are days where I have bad days, and then I realize she's in my life, and I'm just like, oh, and I get all gifts. And I do the same thing with Hannah and PJ and Margo and Moonshine. You know, those those are my other animals, and you know, they're older. Hannah's the oldest. She's 13. She'll be 14 next year. And I get scared. I get scared because she's getting older. But I still see her. And there's sometimes where I'm in awe of her. Like I'm just like, you're you're my you're my puppy. You're my doggy. You know, you've been with me. You've traveled across country and you've done all these things with me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's that it's that idea that there has to be some kind of evil in order to appreciate the good. And, and it's true, you know, there has to be bad days and things like that, so you can look back and be like, gee, I'm glad I don't feel like that today. That's the good point, we can't have the sweet without the sour. Right, the yin-yang effect, you know, right. there's a little right. bit of evil in every good and a little bit of good in every evil. And I, I, when I was younger, I really got obsessed with that, but because it was kind of that phase in the 90s where everyone had peace signs and yin-yangs on necklaces. It was... It might have been an embarrassing period, but I was a part of it. But I really do understand it now. Like you have to, you have to go, you have to go with the flow. You have to live in the now, and you have to take the good with the bad. And fortunately, that that helps a lot when you have when you have Gus there. So. Right here. God. What is she doing? She's, she's hanging out. Oh. She's hanging out. I'm getting real close to you. That's okay. <laughs> she loves it. She loves it. So, and and I think just kind of a side note, it's funny how she can be in this kind of environment where it's kind of loud and kind of crazy, but curl up and sleep at the same time where most cats are like on edge and their hair standing up. She's really adaptable. And I think that kind of passes off, that, that, that idea passes off onto me that I need to be more adaptable in my situation. So... So we can learn from these. these little Absolutely, guys. there's animals are way smarter than human beings. I don't care. I don't care. They're, <laughs> Thank you for saying so. They are so much like human beings have come a long way, but animals are much more evolved. And you know, people people look at look at the beaver and they're like, all he does all day is build dams. How stupid! But without the beaver making these dams, there's certain waterways and certain things that would be happening. And there's a there's a method to the madness with animals. And they are, they're much, they're much, much smarter than, than people, so. I'll say. So, uh, just formality's sake, a recent Facebook post of yours gave way to my one for this interview, so I just wanted to have your permission for my readers to read it. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I will post that, and I think my next question for you might kind of be on the serious side, but when you're with an animal that you've cared for, such as Gus, do you find yourself looking at the world through their eyes? If so, how? Um, I, I do, actually. Um, and it's something that happened, um, I'm trying to think. I think it was this past week? Uh, no, it was the week before. Um, I had a client, which was a pet. His name was Callaway. And um, I've been grooming him since he was a wee, wee puppy. And the story of Callaway is that um, his mother is a teacher at one of the schools in Mead County, which is where I was raised. And I've known her since I was very, very young. 
and I happened to be working in Louisville, and just out just a chance, I happened to see her where I was working. And she came in with this little puppy and said, I want you to groom him and so on and so forth. So I started grooming him from that day forth. And when I left that job, um, she actually had me coming down from Louisville to groom him at her house because she liked how I worked with him and she liked how he worked with me, basically. And he was kind of a picky dog. So if he didn't like you, he let you know. And he, me and him got along great. So I, I take it that he liked me because I loved him. But... She helped me actually get set up in the salon that I am now, that I now manage and own. And um, two weeks ago, uh, Monday, tomorrow, it'll be two weeks ago, um, Callaway was very, very sick. And they had kind of gotten to the, and they had kind of exhausted all of their options with him. So it was time to say goodbye to him. And his pet parent, his mom came in and she was distraught. So I brought her into my salon. And she sat there with Callaway, and they were talking about how they were going to go through all this and how they were going to do it, how they were going to basically put him down. And I said, I know that this sounds strange, but I would, I would, I would love to offer up my salon. You can have my salon. I'm shutting it down right now. They put him up on my table. They put him to sleep there. Everybody, the doctor who had taken care of him, me, his groomer for his entire life, his mom. His uh, other mom was there. Um, people that knew this dog since he was a puppy were all there with her, and or with him. And you know, he went to sleep quietly right there on my grooming table. And I, you know, we were all torn up. We were all crying. We were all very upset. But at the same time, I stopped to think, not to get spiritual or into the afterlife or anything, because that's a totally different, totally different cast. Um, but. Just thinking of how miserable he was. Like, he was a playful dog. He loved people, except for those he that he just felt were bad. And then he was a, he was a devil dog to him. But he loved the majority of people. And the last couple of months of his life, you could just look in his eyes and see that he didn't want to be here anymore. He was sick. He was blind. He couldn't hear anymore. I mean, he went downhill so fast. So I had to step back and think, i take myself out of the situation because I kept thinking, I wish he was still here, I wish he was still here. Yeah, but he's suffering. So look at it from his perspective. Now, whatever is going on in the afterlife, whether he's just disappeared into the air, or whether he's in heaven, whether he's in Puerto Rico, it doesn't matter because now he is so much happier now than he was five seconds ago. So I do, in that case, and that's a very, that's that's an extreme situation because unfortunately I have been with several clients that put their animal down and they want me to be there. I want to be there because it's like a family member. You know, you want to say goodbye, but you have to look through their eyes and see that it is the right time so that you can kind of let go of that situation. Not saying that for the last, the next couple of days I wasn't sad and I'd walked into my salon and looked at my table and thought that's where Callaway was, you know, all that, but... I do feel I do feel a sense of you know calmness come over me when I think that he's better off. Sure. So what I'm hearing is that animals absolutely are a family member, a friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. Someone that you've cared for and been with and loved for their entire lives. Yes. And you treat it the same way as you would treat your mother or your father or your brother or your sister. Yes. Well, like with Callaway, I, I started grooming him when he was like four or five months old. And every month, every month, not skipping one month, every month since that, and he was nine years old, 
eight, eight, nine years old. That's a long time. It's a very long time, and because I've been grooming for ten years, and you know, he was. I remember him being there very early on, and you know, I remember him kind of testing me in the beginning because he was a puppy, and puppies test you when it comes to grooming. So when you go to do his nails, he would be all happy, and all of a sudden he'd be like freaking out, and you had to learn. He really taught me how to adjust to situations, not stress out, because when you stress out, the animal eats up that stress and will excrete that stress right back to you, and then it's just two people butting heads. That's all it is. People do the same thing. Exactly. And and the thing is, is I've learned more from the from I've learned more from situations like that with animals than I have with people, because people tend to be very hard headed, and animals are just like it's okay, it's okay. Like, I, I feel like most of the time they're just like, yeah, I know I bit you, but we're going to get through this. And I'm like, oh, I'm bleeding. And, but but as far as seeing them, seeing things through their eyes, I try to think of, like, the small dogs, what they're going through when they come into a vet or when they're just out in the world. Because you have to take into account if you were hit a, a chihuahua size and you're walking next to a five-foot person, that's like walking next to a Tyrannosaurus Rex being yourself you know you're looking up at every object you have to look up to see your owner you have to look up to see people with food and things like that in fact sometimes you have to climb up on stuff to get to food so everything is constantly looking up and so you're I think it's a shot to confidence that you know you're this very small thing in this unaccessible world because you have to look up to stuff to give you those things and they tend to be the most hateful. So it's kind of weird that small dogs would be that way. But like I said, when I have a small dog and they're kind of nippy or even a big dog, I try to think, you know, they don't understand what we're doing. They don't get our world. And we're pulling them into our world and teaching them to live our way when their ancestors have been around longer, again, longer than we have. And they only know one way. And here we are trying to change their entire genetics and their evolution to fit our lives. So, yeah, I definitely look through their eyes and try to see the other point of view. And maybe if people did that with other people, you wouldn't have racism. You wouldn't have homophobia. You wouldn't have sexism because you would understand that, you know, a woman needs time off after she has a child because there's repair to the body. There's sleep deprivation, you know. Um, Somebody who lives in poverty is, you know, they... They don't have the luxury of throwing out food. They have to eat everything they have because that's what they have. If they don't, ha- if they don't eat what they have, then they may not eat for days. And we just waste, we just waste food in our, you know, in our world. So, yeah, I think I think it's definitely something that you can learn from animals that you have to look through their eyes. I mean, I'm glad you touched on that because that's part of the whole reason why I wanted to have this interview in the first place was the idea that. Uh, our culture versus an animal's culture and how we're intertwined, how we can really spread that love that they really they know that they want to have mm-hmm. for not only themselves and their family and their animal family, but also us yeah. as human beings. Uh, and how we can how we can spread that into our lives and our community and our culture versus the craziness craziness that's happening you know here and worldwide so you know kind of going along those lines do you think that it's truly possible to have a positive impact on the world with the amount of craziness and hateful attacks that have been 
you know, we've been seeing um, across the world. Yes, I do. I absolutely. You have to. I mean, honestly, you have to believe that because if you say I can't, I can't believe it. There's no hope for the world. You're a part of the people that are causing all the death and destruction, even if you're not doing it yourself. Sure. Because you're, you're let. Hope is hope is what's important. Barack Obama ran his entire campaign on that, and he's shown he's done so much. I know there's going to be people out there that are going to disagree, and I understand. I'm not trying to get political, but what as as far as uh, for my life, what he's done for me personally while he's been in office, he has given. He, he said, "Just have hope. We have hope for the future." I kept that hope, and he's delivered, in my opinion. So. So taking the political, taking that off the table, um, I think it's something like if you have a, a, a gigantic lake and you drop an itty bitty pebble anywhere in that water, it's going to create a ripple. And you may not always see it, but the ripples are going to eventually go out till they hit the shore. So they're going to touch every bit of water. That little pebble could be a drop of good in all that evil. It's going to touch somebody somehow. Like, if you walk outside and you just say hi to somebody, that could be the first hi that somebody's heard all day. And then they may think, okay, so maybe it's not so bad. I actually got a hello today. You know, and to stop you there, I have absolutely 100% had that exact same encounter Mm -hmm. and felt the same way. So, I know that works. Right. And and I'm not saying that... on both sides, being on both sides, being... Saying it and receiving it. Yeah. And and by by no means am I saying if you go out and say hello to somebody that they're not going to commit murder or anything like that because sometimes it's more deep seated. But it's that ripple effect. Right. If you do if you do one one good thing one day that could change that person's life or 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 a group of people's lives. And I'm not just talking about donating to a charity and things like that because you know. Having money, giving money away to charities and things, that's great. That's fine. But people that get in and get their hands dirty, that actually show emotion, you can't have emotion in money. And I, I mean, I mean, you, you just can't. I mean, I, I could, I could win the lottery tomorrow and give all that money to the Humane Society or the ASPCA or, or start my own foundation. But if I don't go in every day and clean the kennels and talk to the dogs and talk to people that could possibly want to adopt or, or go to the ASPCA and say I want to be hands on. Really, that money could go anywhere. It could be done for anything. It may not be used for what it needs to be used. If you're if your hands are involved, you know where it's going. You know that it's going to cause good. You know it's going to help somebody out. So right, and that that's a huge part of the real estate business is working the numbers, not necessarily buying or selling on emotion, but buying or selling on what makes sense as far as the numbers go and keeping your emotions out of it per se even though maybe you do love a house or its layout or the design to be smart about it right and that's another thing I think it's not just about love and compassion and being conscious in your everyday life it's also about being smart just rationalizing like you know this is going on kind of a, a previous question that you asked but like you know animals rationalize they use their brains they understand and they stick with a plan and they, they do it because they know it's going to better their tribe. It's going to better their, their herd. It's going to better their community. If we all went out, if we got up tomorrow and went out there and set a goal to better off our community and we actually did it and we did it in a smart way and we thought it through and didn't just leave with, okay, well, I'm brokenhearted because there's so much gun violence in local. 
I'm not just going to go out and walk around the streets telling people to be nice to each other. You've got to think internally. You have to think, where's the problem coming from, and how can I get to the people that need the, the most help? And start talking to them. And don't and not just talking, but listening. That's one thing that people don't like to do anymore. They don't like to listen to complaints, to problems, to issues. So, Because uh, I feel like they're oftentimes wrapped up in their own... Yeah. In their own stuff, yeah. in their own lives, in their own wants and wishes that they don't want to listen to somebody else's complaints because they think it's, they it's, think beneath, it's, them. it's beneath yeah. them. Right. Or they go into a situation like, I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to I'm going to take all these people out of poverty and give them houses on the hills. That doesn't do anything. That's not going to solve the problem. And I think that we throw that word hero around like a lot, a lot. You know, there, there's different versions, there's different ways of being one, but I think we just kind of offer that word up to make people, it's more of a confidence booster than it is actually saying, you know, you really did something that improved humanity. It made humanity happen. It's making things happen. Um, so, but yeah, like, your, um, your original question was about, um, now I've got, I've got to go back, sorry. We go, we go, we're doing positive this. Impact yes, positive impact on the world. I do believe that if you go out there and you do something good for your community, there may, you may be doing it for 10 people, you may be doing it for 100 people, but at least one person's going to come out of their influence. And if you can just get to one person, that's all that matters. Because that person's going to go out and they're going to try to redo what you did. Or they're going to try to do their own thing and try to influence people. So, I'm glad that you said that because... For I guess the last seven years since I've been in business with Sister City Properties, it's I've uh, focused on helping as many people as possible, you know, and I want to help thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, in the next you know 30, 40, 50 years, and um, it's really me focusing on that one person every day or every week or whatever it is that I can help uh, that really really makes a difference right and uh, whether it's one or a thousand it doesn't really matter uh, from a from a uh, life standpoint from a this is why I'm here standpoint. Uh, okay. From a business standpoint, you know, I want to make, I want to help as many people as possible right. simply because I want to make as much money as possible. <laughs> I know. She's still sleeping. She just adapts to everything. Well, and, and that, that's another thing is like something that um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but it's been a while back. We were talking about like going out and wanting to do good for the community and stuff like that. But it, you have to stop and think, are you doing it because you're, is there something internally that you're trying to solve? Or is it because you actually want to see the growth of humanity? And there is a difference. I mean, people want to go out there to make themselves feel good. And if you can do that and help people, that's great. But some people go out there just enough to make themselves feel good. And they don't really hit that mark where it's going to help. Like, actually help. Um, so, I think people get involved very much. We're... We're a very egotistical species. We're very self-centered. Even, and we are, we really are. Because, there, and, and even though we do a lot of good, and there is love and there is compassion, and I do believe that we can make good things happen with goodness, 
um, there's still a lot of anger and hate, ugliness and greed out there, and I think a lot of that comes from. This is an interesting song to be. This is an interesting song to be playing. Um, but there is, but I, I, I do think that there is a lot of ugliness out there because people are so centered on. Well, if I go out there and serve soup at a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, what am I going to get back from it? How am I going to feel about it? Don't worry about it because if you're doing it genuinely, everything else will fall in line. It's it's just like it's just like Invoke said. Free your mind and the rest will follow. And that's exactly true. Or the better version, which is free your mind and your ass will follow, which I like personally better. But it is absolutely true. If you go out there to do good for people, if you go out there to, to just do what's going to help somebody, you don't you don't worry about your own self. You don't worry about you know how much money you're going to make or what your feelings are going to be coming away from it. You just do it. I hate to quote Nike because I know that they have a lot of slavery issues across the across the pond but it's true just do it just be good just go out there and put forth more love than you're getting and all of a sudden you're going to look and you're going to be getting all this love from all these different directions and I, I've definitely experienced both of those ideas um, and I know which one is uh, gives better results that's what you just said. Yeah. Just do it and the greatness will follow. Right. Don't well, focus on it's, me, me, me. Well, and it's also the idea, like, I know a lot of people are, like, don't think that we should be taking care of each other. But the, thought is, the thing is, is if you took everyone in the world and just lined them up side by side, and you as an individual, you did not care about yourself, you didn't care about if you ate if you slept, anything, you only cared about the person to the left and the person to the right, you have to remember the person to your right is going to be caring about you and the person to the left is going to be caring about you, so all your needs are going to be met while you're meeting other people's needs, you know? So it's one, it's, we're all a part of a chain and, you know, if, if someone doesn't want to be a part of that chain or there's a weak link, all of us tumble, all of us fall down. And... You know, that's why I try to see the. I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I try to see other people's points of view. The older I get, because I feel like no shot to my dad because he's a great man, but he's very set in his ways. And I found there have been times where I've said things and done things the same as him, and he can be very narrow-minded. And I've always prided myself on being more open-minded because I am not only gay but I'm also a female. So those are two kind of. In some places, those are strikes against me. So you kind of have to learn from from those parts of your life. And, and my dad has had a pretty good life. He's a pretty good guy. And uh, there's a time. There's times where I find myself saying and doing the same things he does, and it wakes me up. And there's a point to why he is who he is, you know, because he has to be an example to me. Just like I'm going to be an example to like Riley my great nephew or Seth my nephew or Logan my nephew or Lainey my niece you know I don't have children of my own but I am an influence to them I'm an example to them so me helping other people is also going to help them in the long run too exactly because literally you know if you're blessed with a hundred years on this earth that's freaking fantastic yeah and just think of Most it that people don't live that long. And the thing about it is that hundred years is a blip. It a is. blip on the screen. So it that's is. why it's about making today happen. Right. And doing good today because tomorrow may never come. Right. 
and then what are you going to be left with? Your it's life not, is going to be boom. It's and not promised. Yeah. Absolutely not. not. And, you know, I hate to use the cliche term, you only live once, but... Oh, God, as long as you don't say the other thing, right. I'm right. fine no, with I get that. that. But it's very poignant in, you know, being present and mindful of living today, doing all that you can to make the best of your life. Exactly. And which oftentimes includes little Gus yes. and the animals in our lives that remind us that you know, that's something bigger than just us. Well, and that's what happened like in the beginning of her life when I was bottle feeding her. And, and I think we, we talked about this last night. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have... I didn't look for. I didn't look. Um, I didn't have short, to, short-term goals like, what are we gonna do in an hour? What are we gonna do in three hours? The only goal that I had was okay. I, I would set my alarm clock to the, her feeding times, but I didn't look to say that's promised, you know, because it wasn't. Every time I fed her, it was a new experience. Every time I laid down and tried to get her to go to sleep, or when she was sleeping and I would fall asleep for those 30, 45 minutes in between feedings. I was present there because I was like, I could wake up and she could be gone. And this, But the, the craziest thing is, is her situation was dire because she was so small, malnourished, and she didn't, and she, she had to have somebody doing these things for her. But just like she may not wake up next hour, there's a chance that I might not either. And I stopped and thought about that. I was like, what if, what if I didn't wake up in the next hour? Nobody thinks that. They think you're, you know, I'm, I'm 37. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm alive and well. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. That's not true. So it did. It, it opened up a lot of things in my head to think, okay, well, when I wake up, as long as I wake up and she wakes up, we're still going. This is still on. This is a deal that's not going to be broken. And she showed me when it got down to a point where she was like 2.4 ounces and I was discussing with the vet that it might be time to put her down because I didn't want her to suffer. It was like something woke up in her head and she automatically started eating and started becoming alive. It was almost like she overheard it. She was like, no, no, no. I still have like 20 years I want to be on this earth. And she started pushing for it. And although it's not guaranteed, that fight is still needed. You still have to work for it. You still have to work for it. Every day. And some people work super hard and they don't get that tomorrow. And some people don't work so hard. They sleep most of the day. They kind of loosey-goosey it. And they live for many years. But it just, I mean, she just made me realize that every time I wake up, I need to be like, let's do it. Today's the day. I'm breathing. I'm awake. I'm, I'm ready to go. And, you know, as long as she's still around and as long as my other dogs are still around and my family's around, I'm going to keep pushing. So, aside from being present every second of every day, what do you want your legacy to be? So, let me poise this question. If you were to die, like you were saying, if you were to die tomorrow, what message would you want to get out there? What do you want your legacy to be? To be? Um, I don't want it to be... I want to start off by saying the things I don't want it to be because that will help narrow it down a little bit. Okay. Because this, I've actually never been asked this question. So, and even though we talked a little bit about it before, I still don't know the answer. But I definitely don't want it to be that it was just kind of like I had a lay down life where I just kind of took things as they went. 
you have to take life as it comes. That's natural. But you always have to be persistent in what you're doing. And you have to fight for the things that you believe in and the things that you think are good. And if I were to wake, if I wake up tomorrow dead, if I were to not wake up tomorrow, which would be dead, um, I would want people to look back and say, okay, I learned from her that you have to take care of the environment, the earth, the animals, because they're what makes us possible. And you have to take care of each other because if one of us falls apart, the whole ship falls apart. Like, we, we're, we're, de- we're done. You have to pay attention to each other, you have to listen to each other, and you have to be ready to fight for everything you believe in at, 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 at a moment's notice. And I don't mean by war, I don't mean like physical, I'm talking about intellectually. You have to know what the hell you're doing. I go Again, going back to being smart, people want to pull out a gun first before they talk things over. Before they realize, before they understand a group of people, they would rather mow them down in a nightclub. So, you know, just taking a step back and seeing the big picture instead of focusing so much on one little part that you absolutely hate about life, pan back and see how much you love because you're going to realize you love more than you hate. And if you don't, then go get help, basically. Like, go out there and talk to people and figure out what it is that you don't understand. Because, you know... I I just believe that I I would want people to look at me and say she died doing what she loved which was taking care of her animals and the people around her and that's what I want to do and I think that if we have more people doing that our worries will be over does that make sense? absolutely it's not it's not perfect but I I mean just because the, the idea of death is scary in itself, but honestly, I've had a really good life. I don't want to die by any means, but I've had a really good life, and I think that I think everybody would be okay. I think everybody kind of because I'm 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 surrounded by a good group of people that know how to continue to live and how to do good things and how to pass on the good, and that's all that I want people to do is just pass on the good. I think that's the important thing is that. Not necessarily that you're okay with dying, but <laughs> that the people that, when you're gone, the people that remain are aware of what you've done for them and what you've done for what you believed in. So, I think it's important to let people know one thing though is that they have I mean like like I said I keep saying they have to fight for what they believe in but you have to be brave about it and you have to not have fear in your heart because if you go into a fight with fear you've already lost it you have to give up the fear like listening to the podcast sure, and that's with anything like, right absolutely anything like yeah I mean because that's what that's the only thing that holds us back that's the only thing in this life that holds us back that's what causes death destruction chaos death that's what it is. That's what it is. It's all about fear. And even, you know, living a lackluster, mediocre life. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Yeah. Well, it was like, it was. I was thinking about like with Pride. There were a lot of people that didn't want to go to Pride because they were afraid that some whack job would show up and start shooting people. The fact is, is it doesn't just happen at Pride. In fact, I don't think it's actually, actually ever happened at a Pride festival. It's happened at Pulse. 
But the thing about it is, you could be in the mall and it could happen. You could go to the bank and it could happen. You could be in, you could be a first grader, a kindergartner, or first grader in the school, and it would happen. The simple fact is, is the minute that they scare you, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as the hateful, ugly people in this world scare you into your home where you lock yourself in and you only order food, in, and they've won. And they've won. They've won just as much as if you went someplace and they they harmed you or a loved one. They've won. So you have to keep going out there, and you have to understand that every day poses a threat. Sure, we don't want somebody to come into this restaurant and start shooting, but I don't want to walk outside and get hit by a bus. I also don't want to die of a disease. I also don't want to be, I don't, I don't want my heart to just stop beating. I don't want those things to happen. One of those things is going to happen to me in my life. At some point, something's going to happen. And I, I kind of rest in the comfort of knowing that maybe I won't know what happened. Like living, like people that go to sleep and they don't wake up. I'm hoping that that happens. But, you know, but like I'm saying, like, you can't let fear overrun you because then everything that you've been trying to drive towards, you right, then you, you you're not going to make it. You're and you're, you're dead in the water. Basically. It's a roadblock and yeah. you can't get around it. Yeah. So, I mean, just be brave, be good. That's it. You heard it there. Be great. Be brave. Be good. This is Adam Walker, and this has been a brand new way to think. And a long conversation. And a long conversation with Brittany Richardson, my great friend and esteemed colleague. Thank you. Thank you very much. There you go. I hope that works out.